Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. I apologize. Yesterday, there was not a show. I'm going to try to make it up to you for an extra one. But right now, uh, I was under the weather. You'll see I'm a little, still a little rough. But I can hardly talk yesterday. I'm doing a lot better today. Um, Jonah Tulls joins us for a second time. Jonah is a colleague now of mine at NDT Scouting. Jonah, it's great to have you. Give us a, a quick synopsis of where you're at in this business right now. You're a young pup. Yeah, you're right. So I think one of the biggest things with me is that, you know, working at NTT Scouting and working with all these different colleagues like you and John and Kyle and Joe, I've learned so much. And now I'm just like, I'm just kind of diving into more of like the big boards, like the mock drafts and kind of, you know, separating these players. More like, kind of like an NFL, what an NFL front office would do. I'm looking at the big board from a wide perspective, scouting 400 players or so. Um, you know, most teams would only have like 150, 160 players on their board. But for me, I'm just trying to like dissect the players and separate where they're going to be in terms of round grade. And that's what I do with these cornerbacks, man. Yeah, and today is going to be a cornerback-centric show. Um, before we get into player names, if I'm a team searching for a cornerback, is it a deep class is one question. You know, why get quality guys in the second, third, fourth round? Last year we saw what I thought were starting caliber corners going off at, you know, the end of the second day, which is awesome. Um, and is it a top-heavy class? Could you see pro bowlers from this class? Without mentioning names, you know, what were your thoughts on the class overall? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think when you look at the top, there's like three or four first-round corners, I think, on my board. So you can see it's a little bit top-heavy. You got guys like in the top 15 or so, top 20. But then, you know, you got you know there might be a little bit of a drop-off after the second round or so on my board. But there's you can get guys who are starting nickels. You guys who are developmental outside corners. Guys who could be good players down the road. You can get in the fourth or fifth round. So I think it is both a top-heavy draft and a deep draft at the cornerback position. Okay, so we have a lot of that listeners out there thinking about their specific team and let's say whatever team team x doesn't get their corner in the first round they're picking in the middle of the rounds you don't think it's panic time then no i I don't think it's panic time i I don't think you need to spend an early round pick on a corner if you need one necessarily because like i said there is depth now if you really want to you know make it priority then one of those first round corners we'll talk about later are going to be ones you might want to uh, pick up, but again, if you can, if you want to wait till the second, third, fourth round to get one of these guys, I wouldn't panic. I wouldn't panic if you don't get one of those first round guys because there are guys available in the in the day two and early day three range that you can pick up. All right, very cool. So it sounds like you're pretty high on the class overall. You know that you can get some immediate starters, some potential Pro Bowlers. Uh, there is depth here, but. Before we get into the pure corners, I have to ask you about Minka Fitzpatrick, who, from what right. I've understood, is, you know, not only the, he's going to be the first defensive back off the board. I mean, we can agree on that. Right. I don't even know we have to know a role for him, but give me your synopsis on him. I mean, I, I kind of tend to think he probably belongs in the safety category or his right. own category, just a defensive back category. Yeah, yeah so... I'm coming out, this is not a spoiler or anything, but I'm coming out with a safety comparison piece, just like my cornerback comparison piece. Oh, good. Trying to do scouting this, um, uh, this weekend. So that should be interesting about you know how people see that. But I think it's going to be Fitzpatrick as a safety. Um, I know a lot of people want to play him outside corner because of the positional value of a corner is obviously you know, more important than a safety in this kind of league with the outside boundary corners. But 
to me, I'm playing on safety all day long. I compared him, spoiler alert, again, to Malcolm Jenkins of the Eagles. This guy's like a nickel guy who could play, you know, down the slot. He could play over the top in the box. He's really a kind of a chess piece. So, you know, we've got Malcolm Jenkins was drafted in the corner out of Ohio State for the Saints. So um, I think really when you look at it, you've got Patrick, he could be drafted the same way. But I think ultimately he's going to end up being like a chess piece, nickel kind of guy who can play over the top, play some corner. He could really play any position in the secondary. But I think his main position where I would play him is definitely a safety. Do you think he could match up to the Kelseys and Gronkowskis of the world? Yeah, I think that's yeah, I think that's why he's gonna be like a chess piece because you're gonna play him to the matchups in the matchup league in the NFL. You're gonna try to find the best way to take advantage of how you can use your players and your assets. And Fitzpatrick's gonna be one of those guys to where say he goes to Cleveland, for example. You know, you have Jabril Peppers. You might be able to move Jabril Peppers around now because Jabril Peppers played most of center fielder at Cleveland when he was drafted. But he was not which was odd, by the way. Exactly, he's not (laughs) center fielder at heart. So you can move Fitzpatrick to center fielder, and then whenever you play a team like. Travis Kelsey or like a Patriots like Rob Gronkowski. You can move Peppers back to center field and you can have Fitzpatrick in the box covering those tight ends in man coverage. So you can do a lot of different things with Fitzpatrick. I think, you know, he's just one of those guys who can cover tight ends in man coverage. You can cover slot receivers. I'm not sure if I want to trust him in, on the boundary yet because I think, he, I think he'd be a good player on the boundary, but I don't think you're taking advantage of his, uh, his value correctly if you do that. So I think you put him as a chess piece around, take advantage of matchups. That's where you're going to get the best out of him. All right, now I need a favor from you. I need you to hijack the show a little bit and <laughs> just start talking corner names. I don't need to know your rankings, but pick a guy and give me the comparison, give me the thumbnail on him. Instead of me asking, shooting them names at you, you shoot them at me. Yeah, so I guess, so first one I'll start off with is my guy, Jair Alexander. Um, Jair Alexander, I, I, used, I fall in love with a cornerback every year, it seems like. You know, whether it was Kevin Johnson back in 2015 or William Jackson as my, you know, seventh or eighth overall player in 2016. Then Marshall Lattimore, Marshall Lattimore who was defensive rookie of the year, was my second overall player in last year's class. So I, I fall in love with a certain cornerback every year and put him really high on my board. And this one's Jair Alexander. I have him right now in my top six or seven overall players. I think he's one of those guys who could be an elite type talent at the next level when healthy. I think that's the biggest thing, though. You have to look at more of his 2016 tape as opposed to his 2017 tape because that's where he was 100%. He was not banged up a little bit. And you can see the value of him playing as an off-man corner, press-man corner, zone. He can really do so many things for you, whether it's inside or out. The fact that I don't think he has a flaw on the field is one of the biggest things about him because when you look at his tape, there's not really much you can poke at other than the off-field stuff. But it's kind, of, it's kind of like Marshawn Lattimore in that sense to where the only thing you could really poke at Marshawn Lattimore is that his durability with his hamstrings and stuff like that. So I think Alexander, we look at the size, is not a concern for me because I think he will measure in at a 5'11", 5'11", 5'11", 5", whatever it is. And that's perfectly fine for me because you've seen guys like Jason Brett, Casey Hayward, and Chris Harris Jr. all become you know all-pro kind of players at that kind of size on the outside. So to me, I think Jair Alexander has a skill set very similar to Chris Harris Jr. in the way that he can play inside or out, you know, man his own coverage, and really just lock down receivers whether it's inside or out. So I think Jair Alexander is my top corner, and I think that's pretty much locked in unless some you know injury like Sidney Jones happens in a pro day or something. Sure. So Jair Alexander is my top guy, and I think I would take him in the top ten if I were if I were for an office. Wow, that, that's lofty. Um, one of the things I really like that you said there, and just to piggyback it off it a little bit, is that you said there was no massive or discernible weakness you know that he's pretty darn good at everything which Mm -hmm. makes me think from a pro side you know almost no matter where his landing spot is if your scouting report is pretty dead on 
he's going to be a double. You know, I mean, he's a double right. off the wall. You know, and mm-hmm. that, there's a lot to be said for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, uh, just because I say he has a flaw doesn't mean I don't think he has a high ceiling. Right. I think, to me, I think he could be a home run. I think he's a home run when you draft him. I don't think he's a – see, there are certain players like say like a Isaiah Oliver or like Quentin Meeks, for example, which I'll touch on later. Um, those guys are guys, are players who will thrive in certain teams, thrive at certain um, organizations, whether scheme-wise. Jai Alexander could go to any team in the NFL, and I think it would be a home run because I think he could play in any scheme. I think he'd play you know, with teams like their corners, but outside. He could play inside like Chris Harris Jr. and all of a sudden slot, uh, shut down all slot receivers. So – to me, Jair Alexander is one of those guys where you could plug him, plug him in and play him anywhere on the field, a corner, and he's going to success. I think he's going to be a lockdown guy at next level. And that's why, you know, if well, I always ask people the question, would you take Chris Harris Jr. top five overall, you know, an all-pro talent like him? If you would, then yes. Then Jair Alexander is top five player on my board because I'm not going to window dress this. Jair, Jair Alexander, if I think he can be a Chris Harris Jr. kind of player, I'm going to have him high on my board. So I'm not I'm not going to sugarcoat it on these guys. I'm going to go all in on some guys that I think I have conviction on, and Alexander's the guy that I think is the top cornerback in this class. So I'm going to rate that highly. I'm going to go a little off topic here, but I've been doing this longer than you, and right. you and I've I've looked at these players through the concept you know through the context of a specific team. You know, with with right. the Browns. We want this in this position. You know, obviously right. Seattle looks for size. Or a press man team is going to look at corners differently. And corners, right. as much as any, have are, are scheme specific. But from what right. you do from at NDT, you rank these guys from not team specific. I could right. see, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I could see why you would think a guy like Alexander would be your number one but maybe he's not Seattle's number one or a pure zone team's number one. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, and I think just to mention out that, like I'll mention another guy's name, and I just mentioned earlier, is Isaiah Oliver. Okay. And, you know, six, foot, just, six foot two corner. Let's just roll right into him. What do you think of him? Exactly, yeah. So six, I, I really like his tape. So like early, during the regular season, when I watched him live, I was like, this guy's like a raw kind of guy. You know, He has traits, but I'm not sure if he's nuanced yet to, become, to have starter reps you know, immediately in the NFL. Then when you go back and watch the coach's tape of him, you know, playing against like USC, UCLA, Washington State, you know, this guy is this guy doesn't lose a rep either. I think the problem with him is that you see him in zone. Um, he's, he's still learning the intricacies of that, you know, of those cover two, cover three, taking a forty-five degree angle on cover two. I, I just think that the mental processing part of the game is going to develop for him. You know, he needs he needs to develop more of that in, in zone coverage. But in terms of man coverage, man, Seattle's going to love him. I think he will end up being either Seattle's top or second overall corner on their board just because you look at the size, you look at the length, you look at the ability to play press man. I think he uses his length so well. It's not used to the line of scrimmage. He uses his length so well at the catch point. I mean, he uses it to mitigate some of the you know, separation that some receivers get with those big corners by just extending his arms and just getting at the catch point. To me, Isaiah Oliver is one of those guys where if you're drafting the top 15 and you like big corners, he's probably going to be your top guy. Okay. So to me, Isaiah Oliver is one of my favorite corners in his class. And I compare him to Dominic Rodgers Cromartie. Because, I mean, he may not run a 4 2 that Cromartie ran you know, in 2008, but Oliver could be an Olympic decathlon guy. So this guy broke so many records at Colorado. I mean, he broke the records in the 100, the 400 for decathlon athletes. I think he's going to blow up the combine, similar to what Byron Jones did. And I think he's going to just rise and rise and rise. So you look at his tape, you look at the numbers. I just don't see him getting out of the top 20 in this draft once all said that. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, and somebody's going to love him as soon as, when he lights up the combine and he looks apart and he's long and all those things. 
And just another scouting note on corners while we're talking about them. And I know you know this, but I don't know that our audience does. But it can be really frustrating to watch somebody and say, boy, he'd be a great press corner, but he's playing off zone all the time just because that's the scheme he's in in college. You know, I mean, these 17-year-old kids might not give scheme a lot of thought when they decide what college they want to go to or their second year at school, the defensive coordinator changes or there's a coaching change and they're in there playing uh, much different techniques than they probably should or signed up to do. And that's a big reason why the Senior Bowl and some of these postseason events are really important. Yeah, so uh, I'll jump into another guy that I thought yeah. should be a press corner next level that didn't really play much press corner, which is Josh Jackson. We look at Iowa. Yeah. Um, look at his tape. He was more of a guy who played off, whether it was in zone or man coverage. A guy who was always trying to pounce, you know, going forward. He was never playing with his back to the ball. It looked like he, he, did, he did. I'm not going to say never, because he did have reps where he did play with back to the ball, work and turn over the shoulder and attack the ball. But, you know, mostly it was him moving forward in a reactionary play. It was clicking and closing. Um, but that, that's why you see him with his eight interceptions. You know, the ball skills are there. You can't teach ball skills of Josh Jackson. That's why I have him high on my board. You know, I'm my top 30 because of that. But when you look at the intricacies of man coverage and the traits where he does, where, you know, falling for double moves, being too aggressive, grabby with his hands, you know, he's still developing those areas of the game where guys like Oliver and Alexander and Ward are more polished. So I think Josh Jackson is one of the best zoned and off corners in this class for his size, especially because you can look at a guy like you mentioned, a big press corner. You don't want them in off coverage as much because they have to be reactionary players. But I thought Josh Jackson did well with his feet. I think he's going to test well um, also. But in terms of zone, he's a ready-made zone corner in the NFL. I just worry about him playing press man because even though he has the length and he has the necessary traits to be a press man corner, like you mentioned, the big press corners, he hasn't had much experience there yet, and that's where he's going to be playing mostly. You know, if he goes to too much Seattle, he's in a cover three press scheme. You know, he's going to have to really you know learn quick to get starting to starting level snaps, and that's the place where he could go. It's 18th overall, so Josh Jackson's guy I'd be a little concerned of, but depending on the team, he could be a star. Depending on the team, he could also you know sit the bench for a little bit. Yeah, and the NFL could look at that two ways with the guys like him. Is When I was in the league, wide receivers and corners, I was taught, watch every snap of man coverage, especially press man coverage, that you possibly can. Because that's the easiest, that's the best way we evaluate these guys. Because you don't see a ton of it in the college level. But some defensive back coaches might be looking at this going, well, we play equal amount of man and zone. And I don't have to teach him zone. I know he's aware you know, where the other way around, if it's a press man guy, I don't know if he'll ever see the game through, quote, zone eyes. You know, will he ever read multiple players at once as opposed to focusing on the belt of his opponent type of deal? So I'd almost rather have it this way where I know the zone is there and I think he has the traits to play press man and I'll teach right. him. Right. And I think that, that brings me to another guy. And I'm just keep diving into certain players. I mean, yeah, one of those guys is Carl, is Carlton Davis from Auburn. Um, you look at a guy who's a ready-made press corner, plug-and-play at the next Big level. Guy. It's, it's Auburn's Carlton Davis. Yeah. I mean, he has the best line of skills of any cornerback in this class in terms of technical uh, prowess as a press corner. I'm taking Carl Davis. He knows how to use his length. He has patient hands, patient feet, and patient eyes. What I mean by that is he's not lunging. He's not you know over-aggressive when someone makes their uh, – in their release – um, he, he's just in phase with the receiver and he stays on the hip pocket, pinching his sideline. He knows you don't see much separation with him. And that's the biggest thing with press corners. You see those big guys, you know, you know, they usually use their length to mitigate that separation, but there's no separation at all with him. I love his game probably more than any quarterback other than Jair. Um, 
in this class other than the way he gets the catch point. And that's the biggest thing because when you look at the catch point, he's a guy six foot two. You think he would use his length to you know, you know be, be good with his ball skills, but it's just not the case. And you can't. I don't know if you could necessarily teach ball skills. So that's yeah, why I'm either. a little if I'm a little iffy on Carlton Davis in terms of like what he does, you know, up until the, what he does at the catch point. Because everything up until that point is awesome. Like he's right there in position almost every play where it's an off or or press. Because he did have he did play a little bit of both um, press and off, whether it was in man or zone. But um. So I think he has eyes trained to do it because he is a quick reactionary player. He's a smart player too. So that's why I really like him. I, I think he's a guy who can get NFL snaps right away. But in terms of the production, I'm not sure you're going you're, you're to expect many interceptions from this guy unless the tip passes or they're thrown right to him because I don't think he has the tracking. I, think, I don't know if – I need to dive deeper into this, but it could be either because he's late to the ball or he just doesn't see the ball or – attack it well enough because there's too many times you see him getting boxed out and not attacking the ball well enough in the air to you're thinking, man, you know, Josh Jackson would make that a pass breakup or an interception and you're giving up a 15-yard catch or a pass interference penalty. So you have to take that into consideration. Now, even though you're in the hip pocket, I mean, you covered the guy, but you didn't finish the play. And I had mixed exactly. feelings, you know. I mean, can that be taught? And there's probably a lot of people out there just sitting there going, well, what do you mean he has got bad ball skills? I mean, he's a good athlete. Uh, I can catch a football. Anyone can catch a football. It's not about catching a football. It's about right. when to attack the ball in the air, when to switch your eyes from your receiver to to playing the ball, finding it and contorting your body to get there without taking a penalty. It's much different than you know you guys in the backyard being able to catch the ball up in the air or high point it when it's easy. I mean, it's much different than that. But it does sound like. Davis would be your choice if I gave you the assignment. I've got Devin Funches or Kelvin Benjamin, and I need you to pick a guy to play press man coverage against him. He's your choice. Yeah, I think he, if, if I need to pick one from his class like tomorrow to play against those guys, I'm being Carlton Davis because he has NFL ready technical skills at the line of scrimmage. I think you also look at Isaiah Oliver, who I mentioned. You know, I'm going to have Isaiah Oliver in my top 15, and I'm going to take mm-hmm. heat for it because people say, well, Oliver's way too raw to be in your top 15. You can't take him that high. Listen, man, I'm not going to pass up on a guy who could become Richard Sherman in top 15. Yeah, That's yeah. how highly I think of Isaiah Oliver. I think Oliver has, has as much upside as anybody in his class in terms of athletic ability and press coverage ability. But if I need someone to start tomorrow, I'm taking Carlton Davis, because Carlton, especially against those bigger guys, because he can play press right away from me. I'm just not sure that he's going to be able to give you much production in terms of, you know, finding in the ball, interceptions. And like I said, it's not just about catching the ball in terms of ball skills. Ball skills is that's what it's called ball skills, not you know, ball catching. Right. You know, ball skills is like doesn't mean you have good hands. Exactly. It's the biggest thing with ball skills you mentioned is eye discipline. Do you have the discipline to look over your shoulder and find the ball? You know, how how quickly can you track the ball and attack it? How quickly can you take your eyes off the receiver and find the ball in the air and play it without losing your separation on the man? Because when you look at Carlton Davis playing his back to the ball, Carlton Davis you know, when he's looking for the back, when he's looking for the ball over his shoulder, you can see separation between him and the man. That's something you do not want to see because that means he's losing track of his man when he's looking for the ball. You want to have a good balance of both, where you keep your you keep you keep it on the hip pocket of the receiver, but you also find the ball and make a play on it as well. So, to me, Carlton Davis is a guy who will stay in phase of the receiver, do everything well up until the catch point. But I don't know how valuable that is in today's NFL, where you want to make plays on both as many turnovers you can. You know, with Atlanta Seattle scheme, you know, I, I think Davis can be a great fit for a team. I think he'll start a long time in this league, but I don't think he'll never have that Pro Bowl upside. Guy like Josh Jackson, I say, all for good. Yeah, he's not going to end up six interceptions a year or any of those type of things. Maybe um, a name I want to bring up to you, 
Ohio State, Denzel Ward. And from what I've seen, read, learned about him, reminds me a bunch of another Buckeye, Anton Winfield, who's probably a little before your time, and oh, Pac-Man I'm, Jones. I don't know who he is, yep. Yeah, yeah. Exactly I right. mean, Pac-Man Jones, I was at Pitt when we had Fitzgerald and our big rival was WVU, and they had Pac-Man. They would fight, they would battle it out every year. And then the year I was with the Browns, Jones was coming out. And everyone just remembers, you know, he got in all kinds of trouble and make it rain and all those things. But he was a nasty fighting, exactly the guy you want out there on your team. Great prospect. And I think Ward has some of those similarities. Yeah, and it, my core record I compared him to Casey Hayward because I think Casey mm, Hayward is the same quality as you just mentioned. Um, a guy who I think he's going to run faster than Casey Hayward. I've even heard somewhere, you know, maybe sub 4 3 Denzel Ward. So I think you might want to watch that at the combine. But Denzel Ward to me is a guy who's a great athlete, and you see that in coverage. I mean, you, you, sometimes you see like guys are great athletes, like Dante Jackson, for example, a great athlete. You don't see in coverage, you see a lot of separation. You don't see, you know, the mental processing aspect of the game down for him yet. Ward. Ward is one of the most technical, savvy corners in his class. And when you combine that with his athleticism, you're going to have a top-notch cornerback prospect. And you mentioned earlier, physicality, the toughness, it's all there. You see him in run support, getting off blocks, you know, getting dirty in the run game. That's what you like to see from these smaller guys. Because these smaller guys, one of the knocks on them is that, you know, do they have the frame to hold up? Denzel Ward doesn't care. Denzel Ward will go in nonchalant and go and, you know, hit somebody. That's what you like to see with those kind of guys on the boundary. So to me, Denzel Ward is a guy who could – I think he's going to be a player who's going to start on nickel right away. I think he'll work his way outside like Casey Hayward did. That's why I compare him to – because I think Hayward started with the Packers, starts as a nickel guy who worked his way outside with San Diego or now Los Angeles when he signed with them. But Ward, I think you look at him in press man coverage, he gets a little bit bullied by the bigger receivers in terms of you know the release point, the catch point gets boxed out a little bit. But if you look at him in off coverage, like in zone and off man, he's the quickest reactionary player in this class. I I think he's one of the best, most instinctive corners I've, I've seen in a while. So, to me, Denzel Ward, another, another top 15 guy. You know, my three top 15 guys are Jair Alexander, Isaiah Oliver, and last week's Denzel Ward. Ward is just literally right spot after Oliver at 13th overall. And I think he gets a plug-and-play nickel. A lockdown player. Yeah, and he also seems like a pretty low-risk dude. And if Ward were 6-1, would we be putting him in the top five overall? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. there's no doubt about it. I think the only one question with Enzo Ward is that he gets boxed out at the catch point. Yeah. If, he wasn't, if he wasn't 5'10", you know, on a good day, he'd probably be, you know, competing for every single catch point probably have more receptions than he did. So to me, Denzel Ward is probably the safest quarterback. If you look at it just like, you know, durability-wise, you know, traits-wise, I think you can plug him in play him and not worry about the position for a long time because he can play either inside or out and you don't have to worry about He hasn't had durability questions yet. So I think to me, Denzel Ward is one of those guys where he's one of the safest picks in this draft and you can take the top of the team I love it, man. Uh, Jonah, I'm going to let you fly. Sounds like we got a little commotion in the background, which is all right. Yeah. But such is life. As when we do live radio, such is life. Yep. That's all right. That's part of the locked on thing. I just let it roll, and everyone just gets to hear what they want to hear, or get gets yep. to hear what we do. Um, I want to have you on again for sure. Maybe even on a for regular sure. basis. I'll talk to you about that off the air. But let Go everyone down. know where they can find you. Of course, we're both at NDT Scouting. What's your Twitter handle, and what's your next project? Sounds like safeties, right? Yeah, so you know, you find me on Twitter at Jonah Tulse NFL. Um, that's J O N A H T U L S NFL. Um, so, like I said, you know, my next product, safeties. I told you guys, you know, I'm going to be some piece for safeties coming up. Same thing when I did with corners. I'm going to, you know, give, give you the height and weight. I'm going to paint an accurate picture of why they're both similar. And then I'm going to also do, like, you know, 
I'm gonna have a big board coming up for the combine, so they, you know that's a little bit of a little while away. But I'm gonna have individual pieces coming up here. Like I'm gonna do an individual piece on Isaiah Oliver. I talked about on this podcast um, why I think he's a top 15 talent. Kind of go more in depth on it because I you know I can you know I can write more about that. I can talk about it for a short period of time. But I mean, I, I encourage you guys to check that stuff out. And you know. All the stuff about NDT scouting, you know, the Draft Dudes podcast that Kyle and Joe do. So, so make sure you go check out all that content, NDTScouting.com, and I will definitely have some content up for you guys. Absolutely. All right, man, this was a blast, and we are going to sign out. Tomorrow's going to be Twitter Thursday on a Friday, and I'm going to try to throw a bonus podcast at you guys at some point, too, for the Locked On uh, finish up the week. Give you five this week. So that's a wrap. Over and out.